Good morning. It's so good to be with you. I hope you're happy to be here this morning. I know I am. There's just something about God's people getting together, raising hearts, minds to the, this great God we serve. Amen? Yeah, it's awesome being here. Always brings a smile to my face and encourages me, so thank you. You know, um, we'll be in Ephesians chapter 4. So as you make your way to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3, I'll take this opportunity to introduce myself for those of you who I am new. My name is Dan Vidlack, and I'm part of the leadership team here at Edgewater. And as always, when I get an opportunity to be up before you, um, it's my privilege and honor to teach out of this book. This is an awesome book. It's God's word, and it's my privilege to be in it today. My prayer today is, is that God's spirit would be our teacher, the Holy Spirit. Pray that he would be the one, and that we would allow him to do what only he can do in our lives, all right? Amen? Amen? Teach, convict, move, change. That's his job. And I pray that he would do it well. We would let him do it well today, that he would move those stubborn parts of us. Amen? <laughs> Amen. I hope we allow ourselves to do that today. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3, the apostle Paul here talking to the believers at Ephesus talking about the unity that we have in the body of Christ, he says in verse three, I want you to be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Amen? Let's ask God to help us with his word. Father, we are so grateful for the people you brought here together today. We're thankful for the worship, for the fellowship. Um, We pray that you have been blessed by our praises that we've raised to you. Father, I pray that your spirit would teach us something today and that we would benefit from it greatly, but that we would turn and glorify you with it. So please be glorified uh, today in this study as you are in heaven. In the matchless name of Jesus, amen. Amen? You know, I thought the first service was the one with energy, but I really, they let me down. I thought they would bring a little bit more, you know? So I'm I'm expecting you to participate a little bit more today. Are we ready? Amen? Amen? Okay. This has always been the cool group, the late people. (laughs) Listen, if you've been tracking with us on Sunday mornings, you'll know that Pastor Matt has been going through a really neat series that he calls Ignorant, right? Where he tackles difficult topics, tackles them with the Word of God, and hopefully uh, we aren't ignorant about it. We have been informed, and the, the Word of God has a lot to say about being ignorant. We should be we should be informed in certain areas, and I have been appreciating that series. And so today, I guess, uh, I want to make a small contribution to that series by tackling the topic of unity, spiritual unity, really. And I'm not talking about secular unity, this pale, anemic version that we see sometimes sneaking into the church, right? That version that sometimes is nothing more than an external, <laughs> right? External not internal, organizational union manufactured by men by a way to grab men and women and make them do something. It's a shallow, weak version of the true unity that I'm going to speak about today. This unity is spiritual unity, authentic Christian unity. And the first thing we have to realize about spiritual unity is it already exists. It's already exists. It's been produced in us, through us, and around us by God's spirit. Our job, okay, is to maintain it, foster it, right? To bring it along and make sure we don't turn it off. 
That's the charge of this verse today, to maintain the spirit of unity. I don't believe the church has ever been called to create unity. Only foster what the spirit has already done in our lives as the body of Christ. Amen? Our effort shouldn't be directed to bringing people who feel on the outside in. Our efforts should be getting people to realize they are already in, in Jesus Christ. Amen? And that's where I want to direct our effort today is maintaining, maybe informing us what true spiritual unity is and show us how we are to maintain that and foster it. And, and then thirdly, that this unity has a purpose. It has a direction we, it, it should point us in. Amen? So I'm going to do that. Probably one of my favorite ways to teach things is show people that it's sometimes the little things that make the big difference. Come on, really? <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> I have this bet with one of, one of the saints. She says, if you can go one service, one message without making fun of your height, I will give you a hundred bucks. I'm out. I'm, I'm a sucker for an easy laugh, <laughs> right? Yeah. Little things that make a big difference. I want to highlight three little words, okay? They're little prepositions in, with, and for. I'm hoping to tie doctrinal themes to each one of those prepositions to teach us about unity, real unity, and how we are to maintain it and the purposes that it, that it presents us, okay? So in, with, and for. I made my whole outline into one phrase. It's something like this. It says, we have been given a new life in, okay, Jesus Christ, This new life should be shared with those around us. We should maintain it for, for the purpose of glorifying our Father, right? In, with, and for. We've been given spiritual unity. We've been given it. But we aren't supposed to take it and hide it and live it on our own. We're supposed to share it one with another. It's a beautiful thing, this body of Christ. And finally, although we have our own individual callings, we all should be in harmony Upwards, living it for God the Father. Amen? So that's our our little outline there. We'll start with, we have been given a new life in Jesus Christ. Now listen, if we are to know anything about spiritual unity, we have to realize that it's already been produced. Okay? The doctrinal theme hooked onto that, spirit baptism. When we're saved, we get dunked into Christ for safekeeping. It's where we all share this life. It's when we become the body of Christ. It's where we're always in. But before we get to the nuts and bolts of that, we should talk about the word in because it's important. We are in Christ. Our spiritual position that God sees us is in Christ. What's the opposite of in? It's out. Right? Well, I want to encourage you today that you may feel out, but we're never out. Those of us who believed in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, those of us who, with our faith placed in the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, those of us, us Christians, we are never on the outs, are we? Ever. And I know sometimes we feel on the, on the outs. Has anybody felt on the way out? <laughs> All the old people. Yeah. Maybe it is me just fighting and kicking and screaming as I get old, but... When the heavy hands of time are dragging me down, I I start to feel like I'm on the outs. I'm not going to lie to you. I am not the person I used to be. I'm not in anymore. I feel out of touch sometimes. I feel like culture's passing me by, right? Man, you know who's really good at making you 
feel out of touch, adults, old people? Kids. They're horrible at it, right? Because they're young. Man, recently, a kid got me to feel really on the outs. I'm sitting there, coming into my exam room, giving an eye exam. It's what I do for a living. And I walked into this room, and I saw this young lady that I vaguely recognized. But as I looked in the side chair, her mom was sitting there, and I said, I I know, that must be your daughter, right? Must be your daughter. He looks just like you. He said, yeah, it's my daughter. I said, how you doing? Anybody ever, you know, I'm I'm now seeing kids of kids, right? (laughs) That makes you feel old. Teachers out there teaching kids of kids, man, right? Makes you feel old. Well, I I had, looking at this lady and the mom was super sweet. She was like, oh yeah, I remember you, Dr. Vidlak. I said, I remember when I gave you an eye exam and you were 16 years old. Look at you now. Now you have a daughter that looks just like you. Man, I'm feeling out of touch. And she looks at me and says, oh, Dr. Vidlak, I I remember the first time I saw you when I was a teenager. I had the biggest crush on you. (laughs) Seemed reasonable. (laughs) Well, before I could catch a mirror to find out how pretty the old handsome devil was, I I noticed out of the corner of my eye this, this lady, this girl was looking me up and down. I was like, and she just simply said, ew, mom. I was like, I'm right here. I'm still in the room. <laughs> really? Man. So I got the burniest eye drops I, they make, and I just dropped her in the eye. Uh, I didn't do that part. I thought about it, though. Not going to lie. <laughs> Dr. Dreamy, I am not, evidently. So. Man, there are times when we all feel on the outs. Amen? Whether we feel like we're out of touch, out of style, looking at some of you, (laughs) out of luck, outcast, man, we can feel like we are on the outs. We really can. And you know, I want to encourage you today. Ultimate sense. Spiritually, you're never on the outs. This is the problem with us feeling on the outs is we are suckers for false unity. False unity says take all these people on the outs and just put them on the ends and and it's nothing but an external thing that they make to try to control you. You got to realize, the first thing you got to realize about spiritual unity is, is you got it. Amen? As a Christian, you have it. And the way that that happens is something called spiritual baptism or spirit baptism. We see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. We have an underlying, unifying sense of belonging in the body of Christ. And this is how you get there. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. It says this. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, all were made to drink from one spirit. That's a wonderful thing. The moment that you were saved, the Holy Spirit takes you and dunks you and immerses you in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, changing you forever. He puts you in a place of safekeeping. It's awesome. That word baptism just means to stain or to immerse, to change. It's the word they use when they took dye and they they, they dunked it in purple and the white became purple, never to become white again. 
That's the idea, is you have been dunked, immersed, baptized into the body of Christ. Now listen, this affords you wonderful, wonderful Christ esteem. Like you may feel on the outs. You may feel guilty and condemned. But in Christ, in your spiritual position, you've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, right? Amen? There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Amen? You may feel far away. We've been made near to God in Christ Jesus. Amen? It changes everything. You're not on the outs. You don't have to get sucker, suckered into this external organization. We're in the body of Christ. It's been produced. We're just to maintain it. The body of Christ is awesome. And I thought I'd get a little bit more out of you because there's some miracles in the Bible. There are some awesome miracles. Come go through Luke. God does miracles. But the biggest miracle in this whole Bible is that he could take me, dirty, ragged sinner, and make him the righteousness of God in that position. Amen? Amen. That's the biggest miracle in the Bible. It is. And it happens by spirit baptism. That's how we get our unity, Christian. If we are to know anything about true unity, it's that we have a unifying place of belonging. We belong there. Turn to your neighbor. You belong there. You do. That's where we all should grab our position and realize we have this special unity. So listen. One of the keys to realizing this unity is to start looking at ourselves and those around you as God sees them. Does that make sense? He sees you through the lens or the color of the Lord Jesus Christ. As amazing and impossible as that seems, it's true. It's true. God sees you through his son. When we start seeing ourselves and our neighbor that way, it will lead to our next point. It'll lead us to not try to share this or not try to keep this thing all by ourselves, but to share it one with another, right? Because God views your neighbor just like he views you, right? And that brings us to point number two. It's this unifying life is to be shared with the ones you love. We're put in there. We're bound in this unity. We have it. How we maintain it is we share it one with another, right? And this can be tricky. I'm not going to lie to you, <laughs> right? Because it involves people. You know what they say about the problem with church, right? It's the people. <laughs> we are the church. <laughs> and believe it or not, <laughs> strife can arise. Friction can arise in the body of Christ. See, here's what I've realized is that the baptizing work of the Holy Spirit that puts you in this special place of belonging called the body of Christ, it demolishes all boundaries and all divisions that we have as Christians. Did you know that? Bond or free, Jew or Greek, man or woman, black or white, rich or poor. What a heterogeneous mix, don't you think? It's incredible. We're all the same. We're not given preference. We all come together in all our differences, in all the boundaries, socioeconomically, that this world tries to put on us. We're all the same. That's awesome. You can give me an amen. amen. I'll take it. Yes, awesome. Here's what I've noticed, though. 
The Spirit does that like that. Men not so easily ignore those differences. <laughs> That's what I've noticed. We don't ignore those boundaries easily. It's part of our human nature to point out differences, amen? And it's hard. Reminds me of that little anonymous saying of years gone by. It says something like this. To dwell in heaven with the saints above. Oh, what a glorious day that will be. But to dwell down below with those that we know, well, that's a different story. (laughs) Right? And there can't be friction, believe it or not. If you don't believe that, just volunteer here or work here or hang out for a little while, okay? (laughs) We can be a motley crew. We can hurt each other. We can point out differences, but we are still mandated, okay, to maintain this unity that the Spirit has made in the body of Christ. Amen? Sometimes, I find it'd be a lot easier sometimes. I think this way sometimes, and it's, it's, it's a lie. I think sometimes it'd be easier just to get out of here, to divide, to do my own thing, to go Frankie Sinatra style. I did it my way. For you young people, Frank Sinatra was a... <laughs> yeah. Told you I'm out of touch. Remember that? I'll do it my way. Something happens, we get hurt, and we think about leaving. Sometimes it'd be the easiest thing to do is to divide, take some people with us, and then you have these divisions and cliques in the body of Christ, and it is not good. It is bad. We're not supposed to do that. The fundamental reason why is that's a lie. That's the lie that Satan sold from the very beginning, don't you think? Independence from God and each other. You can, I, we don't need him or his body. We can do it on our own. And the fundamental problem with that is, listen to me, the authentic Christian life cannot be lived on your own. It can't. You can't just go on a mountain and be spiritual in a way. Your Christian life is designed to be symbiotic with the other ones, the other people that have been saved. That's how it works. This is really the genius, really, of the analogy or the metaphor of calling us, the called out ones, the church, the body of Christ. That's the genius of it. Listen, a body is different than an organization. It's more than just a conglomeration of individual people that happen to share certain beliefs, you see. It's bound together as a living organism in a bodily union. That's the genius. I know a little bit about the body. I've studied it a little bit, and here's what I... I kind of, here's the cliff note versions that I know about is it's made up of trillions and trillions of cells. Did you know that? But it shares one mutual life in a symbiotic way, right? As the bodies form cell upon cell, it all originates from one original cell, right? And as it grows and multiplies and becomes mature, every cell in that body shares the exact same DNA or life, if you will, of the original cell and those around it. Man, we are fearfully and wonderfully made, are we not? I mean, that's crazy. Well, the maker of that body is using the analogy of you and I. When we get saved, we get placed in Christ, how we are to relate to each other, he uses the body. He uses it in that way. I am that nucleus. I am that blastocyte that starts everything. And I don't know if you ever thought about this or not, but it might change the way you relate to one to another. 
in the body of Christ. Have you ever thought to yourself as being so intimately linked with that life? The life of Jesus Christ. That divine life that you would not be known or understood outside of that life. You see, the understanding of that is really the key to understanding unity and how we are to share it spiritually one with the other. And here's what I know about that, that divine life that we saw in the person of Jesus Christ. I know that it was a life of love and it was a life, okay, that was shared with people around him. It was a life that stood on relationships over religious bigotry, don't you think? That's what Jesus shows us. Second Peter chapter one, verse four, says this. Second Peter chapter, everybody's here. By which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. We can be partakers of this nucleus, of this divine nature. Paul, in his epistles, say that we can have the mind of Christ, the very attitudes and mindsets that Jesus had. We can have those things. And what I know about the divine nature and what I know about the mind of Christ is it was a, a mind in a nature that was involved in and emphasizing love. That's what I know about that. And it changes everything. If we want to maintain unity, In this body, we got to love each other. We just have to love each other. Now, I'm not talking about the gooey love that you see these teenagers, goo-goo-eyed. That's a different kind of love. I'm talking about God's love. A self-sacrificial love that seeks the betterment of someone else. Even at the cost of sacrifice. Right? Love gives. It doesn't take. Love lays down its life, doesn't demand its life. John 3.16 helps us with this. It says, God so loved the world, what did he do? He gave. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. Amen? The other John 3.16, 1 John 3.16 says, this is how you know God loves you. How? That he laid down his life. For you, that you may do the same for others. Man, that's an awesome love. We need to let love lead the way, don't you think? If we want to share this life with each other, maintaining this spiritual unity that's been given us in the body of Christ. Amen? Amen. If we are to experience true, authentic spiritual unity, we have to lead with love. We should love Like Jesus tells us in John 13, that new commandment, that you love one another, how? As I have loved you. One's the cause, the other's the effect. You see the great love he shed on us, then we should be able to give it up for other people, you see, and not demand our own way and stick together and love each other and put others ahead of self, amen? It's truly the bond of perfection or maturity, but it's also the bond of unity in my opinion, Now listen, as we share this life, this life that we're sharing, we've been placed in this unifying place of belonging. We have this this spiritual 
unity that the Spirit produced via Spirit baptism. We're not to hold it. We're to share it and maintain it. We also, the last point here is, is we, have to, we have to be heading in a direction. The, the spiritual unity, it has a purpose and it has a direction, an aim. Did you know that? This body of Christ, we should all be heading in a direction. Now, I know we all have individual callings in this life. We all have our own personal gifts and all that kind of stuff. But it all should be harmonized in the direction of glorifying God above, not self. That's not the purpose, is to glorify self and the body of Christ. And that's an epic battle, right? In a culture that weighs heavy on the scale of selfishness, amen? We're the selfie community, right? No, turn that phone around. It's about someone else, right? We're not to be living for ourselves or even other really good causes. That shouldn't be our underlying thrust of what we are doing as a body of believers, okay? It shouldn't be that. It should be heading towards the glorification of God in our own little individual lives and purposes that we've had. Some of us are going the wrong way. Some of us are going the wrong way. Anybody here see that epic cinema masterpiece called Trains, Planes, and Automobiles? <laughs> it's a joke. It's not a very much of an epic masterpiece. You know, Steve Martin, John Candy, it's about traveling, right? It's about going, trying to get home for Thanksgiving, right? And they're on the automobile part of this horrible trip. And they're in this car, and for some reason, they got turned around, and they're going the wrong way on the interstate. Anybody see this scene? They're driving the wrong way. And people are going crazy, right? People are driving beside them. You're going honking their horns. And finally they go, what is up with all these people? So they finally roll down the window. And the people are yelling out their windows, you're going the wrong way. And do you remember what the response was? How do they know where we're going? (laughs) How do they know where we're going? It didn't end well for them. (laughs) She got it. Anyways, some of us are going the wrong way. And God's word is saying, hey, you're going the wrong way. Yes, you have this spiritual unity that we get via God's spirit by baptizing us into this wonderful living organism called the body of Christ. And yes, we're to share it. Great. We can love one another and keep the unity, maintain what God's already created for us you got to turn it somewhere. It has to have a purpose and an aim. And it's not for self. It's for him. Some of us are going the wrong way. Listen, spiritual unity has a, it's a purposeful unity. I don't know if you realize that. The body of Christ has purposes. And strictly speaking, most of the scripture that you read about this is, is mandated individually. Really. Right? After all, we've been called individually. You don't get saved because your dad believed or that your nation believed, you get saved because you were individually called by God's spirit. You embraced the gospel and you believed personally. And when that happened, you got indwelled by the Holy Spirit who can give you power and purpose in your life, right? There's an individual responsibility. We're all in the body with the Lord being the head of it. It's personal rather than corporate. But as these little things in our lives move in certain direction, there should be a harmony to it, you see? And I think it should be to live for the glory of God, not self. 
not seemingly good causes, but our lives should point to glorify the God in heaven. Romans chapter 15, verse 6, I think, is a beautiful way to say this. It says, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony, one with another, in one accord with Jesus Christ. And here's it. That together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the aim, is glorification. And how we do that individually is unique in a lot of different ways. But I think the best way to do it is to proclaim and live what actually happened in your life when you came to the Lord. Do you know that? Be a witness. Declare it with your life and demonstrate it with your life and declare it with your mouth. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9 speaks of someone who was once in the dark and was transformed into a marvelous light. Amen? Amen. That's our story. <laughs> Do you know that? That's our story. We once were in darkness. Now we're in a marvelous light. We once were blind. Now we see, right? We were dead. Now we're alive. All because of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ saving us from ourselves. Amen? It's our witness. That's how we live for God is people see us proclaiming the gospel with our lives and with our words. And they say, that points to something else. That points to this great God that lives on high. Amen? It points to a changed life by the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we do this, when we live and proclaim the gospel, when we do these things, I believe we become reflective surfaces for God's glory. And he gets the glory, not us. We just declare and demonstrate what he's done in our lives. Amen? Now, it doesn't just echo through this glory through... Wow, that's beautiful. <laughs> Do you know it goes beyond that? And this is a sobering fact. And it just the depths of how awesome our God is. I'm struck that it goes beyond that beauty. Did you know that? Do you know right now God is making known his wisdom and manifesting his grace to angelic hosts through the body of Christ, through us, how we relate to each other, how we live and proclaim the gospel, our lives are reflective surface to other people, but also all the way into angelic hosts. Ephesians chapter three, verse 10 says that. God is now making known his wisdom and manifesting his grace to angelic hosts through his body. That's awesome. Come on. We're seen in space. <laughs> yeah, you can clap. Yeah, why not? Quite literally, if you study that verse, the angels are doing this. They're swooping their necks down. And they're looking they're looking at this thing that we call grace. They're looking at this thing that we call the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. This living organism called the body of Christ, made up of saved believers and watching them interact, watching them err. And they're watching the way God the Father brings them back in and maintains this wonderful living organism called the body of Christ. They're watching it. 
and they're amazed. What God has done with a motley crew like us, amen? He's touched us. He's given us a unifying place of belonging. That's what the Spirit did when he baptized you into Jesus Christ's body. He gave you a unifying place of belonging. So if anybody here feels on the, on the outs, do not feel on the way outs. You are not on the outs. You are in the ends. You are Dr. Dreamy to God the Father. Right? Remember, when you get blown away by that, how God sees you through the lens of his son, even in our inadequacies, when you get blown away by that, don't take that and hide it. Share it with each other. Realize the metaphor body All the cells sharing the same life, the original life. Look to that life. Look to that love. Let it lead the way. And we will get along much better. Amen? And finally, remember, as we start to work our way through this life, make sure your life is directed upward towards the glory of God the Father. Amen? And as we finish here today and the worship team comes back up, I think. (laughs) I just want to encourage you today. It's such a blessing to be up here teaching out of the word of God. It's so encouraging to see you guys come, make time, pausing, acknowledging the greatness of this God. I want you this week to think about true unity. Not that pale, anemic version that I grow tired of. Not that. Not the external fake union made by man, but the unity we have as Christians Produced by God's spirit in, through, and around us. And may it change us for the better, amen? So Father, we're so grateful for your word. I pray that uh, your spirit has moved people and made an impression in our lives. We're grateful for these people. I pray that you'd bless them and that we would glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen.